All right. I'm going to get the party started early. I'm just going to have to break it up and get the party started early so I can get this show on the road. Let's do the music. I'll be right back. Anymore. Gotta keep my hands clean when they come for the bar. Keep it smooth like a dawn, making moves in the dark. Cause I learned how to swim in the pool for the sharks. Now they coaches, cause they can't read all his motions. How the kid never switched codes when he coached with focus. Staring down your team with a frozen ice cold look that can end the summer solstice. Cause I'm more like the top dog. People running game in the game will it cost y'all. I be calling players from a plane while I'm off court. But we ain't the same. You were lame. I'm a mob star. 
top dog on a stat sheet. But I car plays for the athletes. When the cop cars try to catch me, cause I roll off in a taxi. Put my feet up, I'm relaxing. Singing Figaro with no accent. While I pour strings from the street stand. Do it all with a straight face, I'm the kingpin. Top dog, top dog, boss mode. I'm the kingpin. They know I'm a dog and a beast, man. Yeah, I keep the peace with a peace, man. I ain't got no time for a peace, man. Why would I respond to a pawn? I'm the hold up. If I let my dogs off the leash, they do my work to get out of dogs while they eat. I'm the sleep, they can the blood and the beat. They don't need anything behind at the east. See you soft, ever thought about retreating If you never have, then they'll give you a reason Better watch your tone, lose your face when you speaking Underneath the mask, it's a wrath of a reason When you learn how to smile in their face, then go cut, bro Then they want to call you a con when the blood goes I remember starving while y'all had a truck load Now I'm with the mob, with the call and the gusto on a stat sheet, but I car plays for the athletes. When the cop cars try to catch me, cause I roll off in a taxi. Put my feet up, I'm relaxing. Singing Figaro with no accent. While I pour strings from the street stand. Do it all with a straight face, I'm the kingpin. Top dog, top low, boss mode, I'm the kingpin. All right. All right. Welcome back there. Uh, I guess the crew went on a mission and uh, welcome back. So uh, basically what I got going on here today is I got part two of the um, interview that I did with she Van Fleet and in regards to the um, Basically, Mao and how Mao basically took down his country and, and went into the Great Famine and everything that he did. So, what I'm going to do is she did an interview and uh, she likes doing it over the phone, so you know we can talk and stuff like that. And then I'm going to go ahead and play it and then kind of jump in and show some stuff of what, what happened and stuff like that. Uh, the last one, part three, is actually um, going to be the Cultural Revolution, and that Cultural Revolution is really what she's experiencing, uh, what she says we're experiencing now. Uh, in regards to CRT um, and, and everything else that basically that's going on. So I do want to, like I said, uh, thank everybody for swinging in here. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and get the party started here. Let me do this real quick. And let me shuffle this around. Let me take a look here. All right, let me set that up. So let me press play. All right, so basically it's just going to be sound, and I'm just going to play it, and then I'm going to cut in and out. So, But I do have some stuff she covers, so I'm going to set this screen up here. All right. All right, let me hit play here, and we're going to get the party started. All right, we are here again with Chi Van Fleet. This is the second of a three-part series we were going to do in regards to Mao um, and how it started with uh, land reform, and then we went into, and then ending in cultural revolution. Uh, but this is the second part that we're going to talk about, and we're going to kind of dive into what happened before the cultural revolution. So, uh, she, how's it going? Okay, good, good. I'm so glad to be back with you. 
I'm glad to have you. You're becoming famous here. You've been on Fox News and all these other places. I'm glad I, that you're still talking to the little people down here. No, I, 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 I'm glad you're getting your no, word out, too. So it's very important that other people are hearing it in other platforms. But I, I do appreciate yes. you coming back and doing this with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have an important topic to, tar to talk about today, which is kind of the middle. So we went over the land reform, and then the next one is the culture revolution. But... <laughs> This one we're kind of talking about is something different. What are we kind of talking about here? It's, uh, you know, the, great, the story of the Great Famine that people know very little about. Right, and this happened, and, and some of the issues that the reason we've, I'm bringing this up and I'm doing this series is a lot of the um, ways and manipulation that, was, that Mao did, we start to see that happening here um in the united states in regards to everything from um uh, cr uh cr critical race theory and, and topics like that a lot of that manipulation and that propaganda is happening here so i, I want everybody to kind of know the story of this so that when they see it happening they can be like uh oh uh, and know kind of the outcome of this which was not a very good outcome was it that is the key so they leave them so so committed to um, educate uh, American people of the evil of communism is they don't know. They need to know what had happened to China, to other communist countries. So when it happened here, which is happening right now, and people will recognize it because they have the knowledge. And so many of the things we're going to talk about is happening here. It's just a variation of the same thing. And that's history is so important. If we don't know it, we're going to just doom to repeat it. Right. And, and, and that's why history, I've always said this, history gives context to the things that are happening today. Right? You, yes. If you know the history, yes. then you understand the context to, the, to, to today and what could happen in the future. So when we yeah. moved from the land reform, we saw that the um, Mao came in and basically took the land from, you know, from the rich and gave it to the poor and then he decided that well that's not good enough and then he took it from them <laughs> and gave it to the basically to the state now yeah what they did after that was was kind of the next step of their of what they considered their process of breaking people um yeah and here yeah. can i just start with uh, kind of i i uh, go uh, chronologically, yeah. so the uh, good, uh, the land reform was uh, the uh, um, one of the uh, first uh, campaign, and then they took the land from the uh, rich and killed many of the rich, and then another important thing to remember: land reforms from that time on, Chinese people were divided and labeled, and the label uh, um, designated you. Um, you start, uh, you, you, uh, um, 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 you state in the, uh, no, you statue in the society. Right. You are either black enemy or you're red, the allies. And that went on until the Cultural Revolution. So, uh, along with the land reform, the, um, the CCP also, uh, launched many, many other campaigns from 1950 to 1955. Most of them were targeted on um, uh, what they consider um, possible resistance or potential enemies. And they killed 
many, many of the defectors from the nationalist army. So remember when I when we did the other one that the land reform when they actually came in they actually ripped the land from people and said hey you know we're going to take this all from the rich we're going to give it basically to everybody and then once they gave it to everybody um, they ended up killing the landlords and a lot of the rich people that did that and then they said okay here uh, we give it to the people then after they gave it to the people they said you know what we're going to take it back and then they took it all back from the state and you will own nothing and you will be happy type stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and call them either counter-revolutionaries or hidden counter-revolutionaries. By the end of 1955, millions of their potential enemies were killed. Of course, including the landowners and some of the factory owners. Right. Okay. So now think, um, yeah, this is all good. Yeah. All the enemies are gone. So um, he feel like uh, he should be able to focus, uh, change the focus to probably economic development. And mm. that was uh, 1956. Something major happened in the communist world. The famous uprising against the government in Hungary. And of course, it was brutally crushed by the Soviet troops. All right, so a couple, two things actually happened. The other thing that happened was Stalin actually died. So when Stalin died, Mao was a big um, Stalin fan. He met with him and, and stuff like that. Well, when Stalin died, another thing that happened is Stalin's predecessor wasn't as much communist as the, uh, everybody else was. Let me turn my display. So the other thing was the uh, Hungry Uprising that she mentioned, and I'm just going to play this real quick. Hungarian Uprising, Budapest, 1956, The Cold War. After the Second World War, Hungary was absorbed as a satellite state of the Soviet Union. A communist government was established. Political opposition was purged, and Matyas Rakoshi, who was a strong supporter of Stalin, was appointed leader. Imre Naj would replace him in 1953 when Stalin died, until 1955 because of his independent attitude. Rakoshi would again seize power, but his Stalinist leadership style, such as his use of the secret police to brutally put down opponents, made him unpopular with Hungarians, as did the low living standards. In June 1956, in the spirit of de-Stalinization, Rakosi was forced by the Soviet Politburo to resign as general secretary. Khrushchev's policies of de-Stalinization also encouraged a sense of freedom among Hungarians to criticize the Soviet regime and improve relations with the West. A rise of protests by students and workers waving Hungarian flags with the communist emblem in the center cut out arose in Budapest, erupting into active fighting in October 1956. The rebels were successful in the first stages of the revolution against Soviet troops, they pulled down Stalin's statue and released political prisoners. Andras Hegedush was forced to resign, and the popular Imre Naj now became prime minister. Fighting ceased on the 28th of October, as the Hungarians believed that Soviet troops had withdrawn entirely. The new Hungarian government under Naj began to make reforms for free elections and an end of the secret police. In a radio address to the Hungarian people, Naj declared that Hungary would withdraw from the Warsaw Pact. Khrushchev was not happy with the idea of Hungary withdrawing, therefore making it neutral against the Soviet Union's enemies. On November 1, 1956, Soviet troops invaded Hungary, re-entering Budapest on the 4th of November. Naj had appealed to the United Nations to support the revolution, but Western powers did not intervene for risk of starting a global confrontation with the USSR. The Hungarians could not continue fighting against the numerous Soviet troops and tanks, and street fighting ceased after two weeks. A new pro-Soviet government was set up under Janos Kadar, while Naj was caught 
and later executed for treason in 1958. So this is kind of so, what she's talking about real quick um, in regards to the uprising. Let me do this. And that kind of uh, shook Mao. He said, you know, kind of, how could that happen? You know, he said, his conclusion was, they did not kill enough of those potential enemies. And he was very confident that what happened in Hungary would never happen in China. And he probably was right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but he's, uh, that still kind of uh, uh, alerted him that uh, you cannot take it for granted. Even if your enemies are all gone, all killed, you still have to be on the guard. So he felt like uh, he needed to strengthen the CCP. And by what he came up with this idea by letting other people outside the party to give communist um, parties suggestions to help them to um, you know uh, make the party more more effective. So he launched this famous "Let One Hundred Flower Bloom" campaign, and right. you know that, right? Right. And you mentioned, yeah. So and it sounds very good. Yeah, but the issue was too is that he wanted people to write letters and he wanted people to say how to make the government better. But back then, not a lot of Chinese people could read and write. Correct? Oh, that here is basically intellectuals. Right. So he that basically went after them. Who would say anything? It's intellectuals. So one of the things I talked about on another show was the Hunter Flower Campaign, and what Mao basically did in 1956 until 1957 was say, "Hey, all you guys, tell me, tell me how the government's going. Tell me what you think. Tell me this. Tell me that." So, what a lot of the intellectuals, the teachers, and things like that actually um, said, "Okay," and basically started to write letters and say this stuff and get out loud and and into these um, groups and things like that. So what he basically did is he created that echo chamber of um, educators and teachers and people like that because he knew that if he could basically take the teachers and the people that could read and write, they were considered the ones that would lead the other people, take that echo chamber, catch the ones that he didn't, that weren't, they were going against the government, and then in 1957, snag all of those people, round them all up, and march them into camps. Um, he would basically then be able to take the education system and with the, the people that would not talk, not go against the government um, in that type of manner. Now, we have a lot of those echo chambers today as, you know, certain um, platforms kick you off for this and kick you off for that. And then basically send everybody over to this one or to this one into Rumble and to here and to here to create those echo chambers where at that point you can kind of know where everybody is and where the, those views are. And you can kind of control the analytics. Um, we see a lot of that being done today. The intellectuals. So they thought Mao was sincere. Mao probably was. So they started to make suggestions. Mao thought they were make some kind of a minor suggestions and whatever. No, they are raising very, very serious issues. Issues such as free speech, such as uh, free uh, uh, expression and uh, free press and power sharing. Oh no, no, no! Power sharing with uh, communism? Well, with communism? No way! So after a little while, Mao realized, no, this this intellectual should be dealt with, 
So from that point on, that become a conspiracy. He encouraged, he encouraged all level of uh, the party to encourage the intellectuals to express the idea, to let themselves expose themselves. Mm. And well, you know, intellectuals, they're just not politically savvy. And they, of course, they don't know enough of the evils of yeah. the Communist Party. So they, yeah, they continue and then uh, said a lot of things and then including a lot of students, college students. And Mao turned this from let 100 flower bloom to anti-whitist campaign. Crush, crush with no mercy. So many people affected. A lot of the college students were labeled um, rightist. You're not just get a label. You're exiled. Right. Um, most of them were exiled to places like uh, um, the desert area in the south, uh, in the uh, uh, north, northwest, and uh, many, many of them perished. So, what is the significance of that campaign? Was everybody learned? Don't tell the truth. Mm. You cannot. Tell the truth. Truth will cost your life. So that is the significance of that campaign. Do you feel and not good? Yeah, go ahead. Do you feel it was a way to separate? Because obviously, you know, teachers today and the stuff that we're going with the school board today and things that were happening. Do you feel it was a way to separate the outspoken teachers to the non-outspoken ones and put all of the teachers in line with what he wanted? Well, just think about it. You can you can imply yes that the way they say uh, get rid of this uh, anti-vaxxers. That's a way to identify, right? It's an easy way to identify, and uh, um, so yeah, that's an old trick. So let those people talk, and then you they expose themselves, and then all you do is gather them, and uh, and then it's just deal with them. So not only that, from that time on, everybody learned. Don't speak the truth. Don't speak up, period. Right. But also, lie will get you, um, uh, lie will um, get you to places that you want to. And so lies were encouraged. So remember this. Without this, the next disaster would not happen. Okay. So that's uh, 1956 to 1957. Seven. Yep. And then they got rid of all the um, uh, outspoken people. So now everyone is a yes man now. Right. So in 1958 to 1956, uh, 19, uh, 1960, Mao launched this uh, so-called People's Commune and the Great, Great Leap forward campaign mm -hmm. okay so this is a tool but they're together they 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 are launched at the same time but i have to talk about them separately okay first is people's commune remember that the land reform the land was given to peasants given to individuals so everyone had the same amount of uh, uh land right it's uh, equality and not the equity well that was uh uh 52 now it's 58. How many years? Six years. Now, Mao wants all the land back. 
right to the state. So that's what the commute, uh, people's commute campaign is about: this collectivization of everything. Everything. I'm not talking about just land. Land for sure. So when they started the great, uh, the people's commune, and as I tweeted, that's where you found me, mm-hmm. that they promised the heaven, they promised the heaven, this is the greatest thing. So when I first got hooked up, uh, she put out a tweet, and it said basically, um, you know, they promise you everything. They promise you food and health care and haircuts and movies and books and all this free education and all this other stuff. And then in the end, they end up killing you anyways, right? So that was the, one of the first tweets she put out that I reached out to her and said, hey, would you be interested in coming on the show? Um, so that's what she's talking about there. Don't think that you lose your land. You gain the land because all the land is yours now. But of course it's a lie. When the land is everybody's, no, it's nobody's land. Right. So they have this commune. So now the rural areas were divided into communes, different communes. And under commune, there was a big production team and then smaller production team. And that's the structure. And that's where I worked for three years, from 1975 to 1978. So, so go ahead. And in the... In the nine eighties, uh, it was uh, dissolved. Right. That just <laughs> did not work. So they divided the land, uh, the uh, the uh, rural area, rural areas by communes. Everything, everyone owns everything. So the land goes back to the state, and your food going back to the commune, and it's called. Um, everything they, 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 they promise the uh, the peasants. You don't need your little uh, kitchen. We're going to have this communal dining. We'll get all people's uh, food together. We'll share, and the government will promise everything. So basically, what they did was they said, "Look, you're all going to be in one big happy." Uh, commune you know commune basically where there'll be one kitchen and then what you whatever the food you bring you can have enough for you and then the rest has to go to the state so they you know that's this is the picture we're looking at now is basically this is the type of stuff that they were you know have just it was just big you know communities that basically would have one kitchen and she even talks about some of the sleeping arrangements the problem is free i I can't even remember the 10 free a free food free lodging free education, free, uh, even free haircut. All good. It's all good. So people's uh, food were collectivized, all gathered together by the commune, by the, what's called the big communal dining. You do not, you need your uh, own kitchen. Actually, people who resisted, their walks or stoves were smashed. No. Everyone now go to uh, the commune dining hall and eat collectively. And in the very beginning, there was, of course, a lot of propaganda, pictures of people being happy, and you can eat all you want. And they even invite people, passerby, come, free food, everything. (laughs) And uh, the food was consumed, like, gone in months. And uh, so there's no food. And meanwhile, 
the peasants' lives are collectivized. I don't know whether I use the word right, collectivized, I guess. Yeah, so the, uh, the, the peasants were organized almost like an uh, like army. And uh, so they have uh, um, collective um, or called free um, kindergarten or, or school. So, and then, and then dining was taken care of by the commune. So women, you know, women traditionally stay home and take care of the family and children. Now they become uh, the labor force because there is nothing to do at home. Everything was done by the state or by the commune. So this is, I really want to make this a kind of a, a point for people to understand. Yeah. Sounds like um, people, sounds like, uh, oh, the, uh, the women were liberated. No, no, they were enslaved. They had to work side by side with men. No option of uh, staying home. The home is wrecked. And then the, uh, the, uh, there's no home. <laughs> the, uh, the Communist uh, Party and, uh, and said, family is not needed. So they destroyed the family, or at least attempted to do that. So the people were working almost like a slaves on the plantation. Right. They, like, um, in the morning, they were... So, now also, because one of the things that they did have is, I think they had, like, a billion people at this time. They had a lot of people. And basically... You know, Mao and them knew, said, look, because they were had no problem killing people because they knew that they had to get rid of some of them. They couldn't feed all of them. Um, but another way to slow the family down is to basically get take the mom or the wife and put her to work also. Um, traditionally, and, and this is how it is back, it's still in Korea, that once um, the, you, the child, you have a child, the mom stays home and raises the child and makes sure that, you know, the, fa the father makes money to, to, to handle both. That's traditionally how it was handled um, in Asian cultures and things like that. And still handled somewhat like that in Korea now. Be someone um, uh, wake them up, they go to the dining hall, eat, they go to the field, work until dawn, uh, until dusk. And it's just, I just, there's no other way to describe it, but uh, 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 slavery on the plantation. So, and so this is commune, okay. So, and, uh, and then uh, the cadre, the people that are in charge of all this started to lie to, the, uh, to their boss, to, you know, say that we're doing so well. Our production has improved so much. You know, we're used to every uh, acre produce this much. Now we produce double. And then someone else on the, in another commune said, Double, we produce triple, and then it's the lie just compounded. They're just lies were just just obviously kind of like absurd, some quadruple, and um, people still wonder: Did Mao really believe it? So basically, what happened? What is she talking about? Is when once they would come in, they say, "Hey, how much produce? You know, food are you guys producing? How much are you farming? How much are you bringing in? You need to bring in this much." And they're like, "Oh yeah, we're bringing in double. We're fine. We're fine." And then basically, that caused a landslide of the other um, towns and and villages to say, "Oh no, well, we're bringing in triple and so on and so on," because they started. You know, nobody wanted to be the one that brought in the least. Um, that probably wouldn't go well. Uh, so this is where the lie started, and they just started saying that they were bringing in a lot more food and producing a lot more food than they actually were. Here is something to, to know. 
the scientists also join the lie. Those are the intellectuals. They know that you will uh, benefit by lying. They say, yes, it is possible and whatever. So it's like a, everything looks just so incredibly rosy, right? But by the time you come to collect the, um, the grain, you said you produce quadruple, and then you have to turn it to the state. Right. See what happened? And this is the starting point of the famine, that the food was all gone, taken away by the state, because it did not produce that much. But they had to give away so much. Meanwhile, okay, go ahead. So, and, and I want to bring this point because this makes a good point because you, just like you said, they, they weren't liberated. They were, they were put into basically women were sent to go to work. And, and we realize that women who stay home and help raise their children, the, ch the children get a better education and do better. But this was the kind of the start of that mentality that go to work next to your husbands, go to work with the men and do that. But they, because they, they couldn't stay home. They didn't have that option to stay home. They do not. Right. Okay. So, meanwhile, uh, okay, he had this ambition. Just by sheer determination and manpower, he was going to surpass, uh, surpass Great Britain and United States. In 15 years. By mm. what? By steel production. He's not interested in improve the economy that will help uh, better the lives of ordinary people. He was only interested in steel production because that's where you get your steel to produce weapons, right? Right. So... Mao actually went to Japan and, and met with the uh, Japanese president, prime minister, and saw what they were doing, making steel, and then the Industrial Revolution over here, and we're making steel, and everybody's making steel, and, and that was the, you know, the big thing for weapons and bridges and buildings and all this other stuff. So he says, look, I I'm going to surpass. I've got enough people here. Um, we're going to go ahead and surpass everybody in the steel production, and we're going to be the head of the um, you know, steel production for the whole world. And that's when this started. Okay. So he wants this to be a mass movement to make steels. Of course, they have some steel factories, but that's not enough. Mao's style is mass campaign. So everyone got involved in making steel, including the peasants, including the students, including the people living in urban areas. They all have to do this. So what they do, they have the homemade uh, uh, furnaces, mm -hmm. and they have to go to the hill to find some uh, um, to find some uh, iron iron ore. What do you call it? Yeah, iron ore. Yeah, it's it's not just anywhere, right? Right. <laughs> so they could not find it. So what they do, they started to encourage people to donate. Everything that they can find at home, doorknobs, a key, knock, anything, pots, pants, anything that's made of uh, iron mm -hmm. to donate so that they can make it into um, steel. 
because it was like a the quota. Every uh, commute would have to turn in this much, and it just absolutely insane that people even get the nails out of their um, household somewhere and to to put uh, that into the furnace so that they can produce steel. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, just absolutely insanity. But people did it because that's mouth water. So when everybody was doing steel making, of course, most of them came out useless. Right. Most of them. Because they, Meanwhile, they were farmers. They were farmers. Yeah. Or just ordinary. Uh, or ordinary uh, people. Uh, yeah. People. Yeah. So meanwhile, the farm work was neglected. There's nobody. Only the old people and some probably some children. And the, uh, the, uh, the, the crops were just there. No one to harvest because they had this quota to finish for the state. And um, that was another reason for the famine. So when the uh, crop got rotten in the field, and then the state had to collect so much grain, because just stated, you know, the country said, we produce this much, and that is a disaster. Right. So from... Uh, 1959 to 1961, up to 15 million people died. And in my province, uh, Sichuan province, and uh, about 8 million people died. And um, and then there's uh, cannibalism. Cannibalism, I'm sorry. Cannibalism. Cannibalism, yep. And uh, there were even stories of uh, um, uh, children were uh, in and then was chopped up and sold as meat um, on the market. It's just absolutely horrible. Of course, I was too young to remember, but I do hear from my parents. They're in the city. Few people died in the city, mm-hmm. even though they went hungry. And uh, so everyone was swollen. Because they don't have enough, and they have to eat a lot of those. Uh, um, there's one vegetable. So basically, what happened is Mao started to tell everybody, "Hey, uh, go out and build these furnaces and start making steel. Right? Just start making steel. Melt down anything you can melt down and start making steel." Well, obviously, it takes a little bit more than that to make you know good steel so they didn't really know how to do it properly how to do it good and and so the steel was crap well as food slowly start to run out more and more um and people basically turned to cannibalism and even children were basically you know sold and things like that for basically to eat people would die um they would be eaten this is basically how a lot of them outside of the cities ended up surviving. And I think it's in the char family, the kind of a colorful um, uh, vegetable, leafy vegetable. It's in that family and they have very thick stains and that was easy to grow and grow fast. A lot of people depend on eating uh, that as the main food. 
and uh, and then the result is everyone is swollen, and uh, the ration is so little that everyone is hungry, but the people who died were the peasants, and uh, there are stories of people were buried, and then next day someone dig it dug it up and just eat the corpse. Wow, it's just just horrific. And this is not knowing. This is the biggest famine in human history. I bet majority of the、um, Americans don't know. Yeah. And the the young people in China they don't know because they were not taught. And、uh, and the、uh, CCP cover everything up. And even when I growing up, all I heard is. The great no, the three-year natural disaster. That's how they call it. So basically, what they said was that we didn't do this. It wasn't the government's fault.、Uh, it was just a natural disaster. It was all just you know a three-year natural disaster that caused this to happen.、Uh, the government had nothing to do with it. it wasn't us. Three-year natural disaster. You you know how big、mm. China is. Yeah. There's never such a thing that a natural disaster hits. The whole country, even、right. if there's some that hit a region here, a region there, right? Right. No,、nope. they just said,、uh, "Yep,、uh, that's the、uh, natural disaster. Nothing to do with the CCP." Oh、mm. yeah, there's some people died, but it's a natural disaster. And、um, you can look at the pictures of Mao during that time. He、mm. was fat. Yes, he was not a small guy. <laughs> no, yeah, he was definitely eating. And he told people, he 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 gave people instructions and how to、uh, deal with this、uh, so-called food shortage.、Mm -hmm. He said, "Well, you know, eat solid food during the busy season, the busy agricultural season,、right. and eat just soupy food in slow season." And he was reported giving up on eating meat. Right, he he ate fish instead. This is just yeah. This only happens in a communist country where that、um, people were not allowed to leave their village. They were not allowed to leave their village, and,、um, and before they,、um, if this happened in the you know original famine, whatever, people were allowed to move around, maybe go to somewhere else, city, or do some、uh, begging, maybe they can survive. No, they were not allowed. So there's no picture, there's no photo during that time period. You、mm. could not find any photo of people starving because it's all controlled. No problem, Miss Mo. Thanks for swinging in. Right. And uh, and uh, this is just incredible. This is the biggest crime that the CCP committed. How did? And I have friends. Go ahead. Okay, I was lucky because、uh, my father and my both parents are cadre, and I was、uh, they were able to enroll me into kindergarten. The food was guaranteed, so there was never equity. People don't think that communist country is equity. No, I had the privilege, even though I was very little. I was in a, put in the kindergarten that was basically twenty four six. Not seven. 
I do have, I did have a day. Like so, basically, she was uh, her and her family. She was lucky that she was able to get. They were able to get her into a kindergarten, which other families wish they could have. Um, and it was twenty four hours a day, six days a week. One day they were able to come and see her. So basically, what they were doing is they were ta- like I said, they they would take the kids and and you know educating them to say, hey, this is you know a good thing. A Sabbath Sunday, I can go. Uh, I could. Uh, um, my parents could pick me up, and and uh, so it's like a, almost like an orphanage. But I had enough to eat. I have friends here that I met that talking about the fact that, that um, to their body, there is a uh, my uh, one of my friends said um, until she was like a three, she was about the same age as mm-hmm. I. She could not. She could not support her head. Because she was so weak, so the, her 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 neck is just so weak that uh, you know up to three she could not, you know, her stand straight with uh, her uh, head on her sh- on her shoulder. She that, that had to be supported, and it's still uh, and some of the people um, like uh, the young girls uh, did not have period until like thirteen or fourteen mm-hmm. um, because of the um, uh, malnutrition. Right. And uh, affect you. Affect you. And then, uh, later in life, you probably say all sorts of things that all because of the uh, childhood malnutrition. And um, so, anyway, so that is uh, the uh, um, the disaster. And of course, meanwhile, this is something again. I want to just uh, just uh, um, make people aware. Communists. They don't care. They really do not care about human lives. And when people were starving and dying mm-hmm. in the millions, Mao never stopped its foreign aid to Africa, give them food, because he needs his African bodies to be his followers so he can be considered a world leader in the communist world. Mm-hmm. Like, so let me ask this, like, how did your, and your parents probably told you stories, but how were they surviving during this time? Like, uh, what were they, I mean, they, they had to work basically making, you know, well, steel also, or like what, what was their role? Yes, they did. They all, because they're in the city, it's not uh, all a full-time job, but they have to go and support those uh, um, uh, in the commune to support, yes. And um, they just uh, had um, not enough food to eat. They they just went hungry, but they were not starving. Um, so, I, and I remember my neighbor. She told me this story, and uh, so she was in college during that time. Mm-hmm. And so, when she went home, her her uh, home, you know, I think the food probably is better than the cafeteria in school. So her parents said, what, 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 what do you want to eat? She said, I want to drink lard. Basically, she just wanted some type of like a fat, like uh, something. And it was that point that she just, what they were getting was just, you know, very small amounts of food. And she just wanted that, something like lard for that fat content. <laughs> fat. Yeah. Yeah. So you may have some grain, but you don't have anything else. And that gave, I really remember that story. I, I could imagine you have so little to eat and no, no protein. Right. And all he wanted 
Well, she wanted was a drinking lard. Right. Of course, they, they probably did not even have that much lard. Right. But, um, yeah. So, um, so that is uh, the, uh, um, that's the, uh, the, the famine. And uh, after that, and the, uh, the Communist um, Party, they have to do some uh, reflection. This is not a small um, uh, thing that you can just let go without a uh, deal with it. So um, they had a um, uh, uh, party had a conference, and in that conference, uh, they said there were seven uh, attendees, and Mao did criti- uh, did do some so-called self criticism. Mm. So admit that uh, there are some issues, yeah, that we probably uh, there are some policy problems, and after that, he was uh, um, put on the. Uh, Back seat, and um, his uh, um, uh, president Liu Shaoqi, and uh, we're going to talk about him uh, uh, during the Cultural Revolution episode. Right. And Deng Xiaoping, who was the reformer, they were in charge. Of course, their focus at that time is to do what? To improve the economy, so that so that uh, you know get rid of the uh, um, um, the uh, uh, some of the. Dra- um, uh, radical policies and uh, um, let uh, the peasants have some little land that they can at least cultivate for their own family. Um, so that's when uh, uh, Mao realized that hmm, I, I, I'm losing power, I'm losing prestige in the party, and uh, I have to do something. And uh, that's his le- next. Step. Right. And I want to go back real quick, too, because you went to what, you know, what we call kindergarten. Um, and how many people, like, were parents basically trying to get those kids into kindergarten just so they could eat? Because that seemed like oh. a way to, to keep control of people would be to... Well, and uh, That is, um, uh, the kindergarten I was able to go is the only few. Very few. I was so lucky. I was so lucky. I w- it's only a few. Most people going hungry, but at least they were not starving to death. Right. Yeah. So from that point, now you, your parents are basically, they're trying to make, obviously, steal like everybody else. What would happen, I mean, the quotas that they would have to reach quotas, like who was coming in and, and kind of checking the quotas, the, the whole town or like? Or, or village, I mean? This is uh, something that people have no idea. The communists, the communists, they perfected the way of control. Control every individual. They have uh, layers of uh, bureaucracy that absolutely no one can escape. Now, uh, they have a central uh, government, provincial, county, commune, production, uh, team and small production every level, totally controlled. So yeah, they have uh, the quota probably from the uh, and the, the quota is from the central government and go down in every um, level until it reach to every individual. No one, no one can escape. Everyone has to get involved. And at that point, you know, so basically what they had to do was turn people they had to turn people into fear um and then from that that pushed down to everyone else right all the way down so 
a lot of the stuff that's, you know, obviously we we see today, it was a lot of um, push into this through like um, bullying type stuff and that, you know, where you did what you were told or we're going to ratch out and things like that. And this is kind of where at some point it very uh, communism becomes very difficult to keep controlling the people. Now, it doesn't work. Because, you know, eventually people just say, well, I'm just going to do a minimum. I don't I'm only paid for the minimum rather than trying to push themselves and motivate themselves uh, where we all don't get participation trophies. Right. That participation trophy and this all this other stuff is kind of a way to basically say, look, um, they have way too much money. We have to you know, we have to go against them. That was the start of it. And then we say, well, if you all do the same, you can all have this participation trophy and you'll all be that same. That's kind of the step that they're at now. They're basically saying, look, you know, do what you're told. We can all get this type of thing. Um, and that's kind of where Mao's doing. Now, where, where communism fails is that they don't have the reach. And what, as what you can try to see what they're doing now is technology gives them the reach to control everybody on that level. Right? Technology with your phones, they can follow you here. They can follow you there. Eventually, you have digital money. And if you don't do what you're told, they can turn that off. It's it's you know it's the the ability to to do that now through um, things that they do in China with their social credit scores. You can't get on a bus. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't get loans. That reach is now what gives them the ability to actually reach out and touch everyone, rather than just hope that people would do or that what they're told. Now they can be forced to do what they're told. We just saw what happened with you know the hundred flowers campaign and stuff that nobody wants to complain at this point or escape because. Those people get marched off and never come back. Those people are killed, basically. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and actually, we'll see that. Um, we will see uh, and, and, and in the next episode about Cultural Revolution. And uh, actually, a lot of the people that suffered took the Cultural Revolution as an opportunity to take revenge of those cadres that pushed those um, policies. Mm. That is that is something people need to know. Communism is a meat grinder. It is absolutely no one to escape. It's the uh, the people that fight against this, and then the other group of empowered by this. It's never never ending. And those people, those countries, carry on the. Uh, well, they not only carry on, they exaggerate it just because they want to uh, prove that they were uh, the winners of this competition, whatever. Um, but they were carrying out the policies set by the central government mm -hmm. and those people, every one of them, every one of them will be the target of the wrath of the uh, people and the red guards during the Cultural Revolution. Right. Because it's amazing Including, if you think yeah, it's amazing if you think about that. He got the whole country. And and even then, it, I can't, I you know, you still had quite a lot of people in China. I think still like, you know, a billion people. But he got the whole country to stop farming and make steel. I mean. That is, the, the, the control is incredible. Incredible. That's, I, I don't know what I said in the last time. They offered the um, uh, land reform. And then they also have the similar uh, reform in the city. Everybody gets stuck. You have a label, 
whether you are black class or red class, you also have to register for your residence. You can't movement, freedom of movement was no more. Mm. <coughs> so you you basically stayed in that I'm gonna say village. Uh, but you basically had to stay oh, yeah. in that village, and the only people that could probably move from that village would be the the people that were coming in to check the quota and take the stuff back to the states. Yeah, oh, yeah. the only thing, well, they have a place that they belong to. The only people that can um, relocate mm -hmm. is women who marry to another villager in another um, village. Mm. That's the only way. That's the only way. You cannot move in the city. It's even worse because your uh, your lodging was provided by the state. Like a, my family, we have one and a half room for a family of five. And you sound that sounds kind of bad, right? One and a half room, right. and we share kitchen with four family. That was a luxury because the other family. It's one room for multi three generations. One room. So everything's controlled. Food is controlled. Rations, con uh, uh, everything's rationed. You, there's no freedom of movement whatsoever. So everyone starts to, no one can escape. That's why they can control everybody. Never happened in China, in the history of China, that you just stuck there. I mean, basically, like she said, she, so she has a family of five, and she had a room and a half. Um, and then other families would have three generations of, of families there, and they would have one room. They'd be in one room for the whole family. No, and they did not want, you had to stay where you were. You had to stay in the town, in the village. There was no, you know, no leaving, nothing like that, right? Um, basically kind of being locked down into your village because that, that freedom of movement, any type of freedom of movement, um, I, I say it's a lot in logistics, like towns, the, the first portion of logistics creates opportunity for, for towns to grow and get bigger and villages to grow, right? So your first logistics, the first things that people trade is knowledge. So, or news or things like that. So when roads are built and they go to other villages, the, the first thing that they get there and they'll talk about things and, and the knowledge of, of how they do things compared to how these guys do things, that's shared. Well, that type of news and knowledge, well, if you allow people to start to conjugate outside of that with other ones, well, then you could have a problem. So one of the things you do is you, you don't let that freedom of movement, because that freedom of movement, once they start doing that, that allows people to kind of not feel like they're captive, right? You want them to feel that ca like they're stuck here, this is what they have to do, and kind of obey. Right. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, if you think about that, the size of the country, the, 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 the amount of people in the country, and they were able to be controlled in that matter is, is actually amazing if you think about it. No, let me tell you now. Okay, I just had an interview this morning with Fox News yeah. about... Yeah. So we're, uh, she's supposed to come out at nine o'clock and she ended up saying, you know, she messaged me and says, hey, can we do it later? Because I have to go on Fox News. What am I supposed to say? No, no, you can't go on Fox. Well, if it, maybe if it was CNN, but it wasn't. So what am I supposed to do? Say, no, you can't go on Fox. She, and, and then when I'm like, yeah, of course, she's, you know, she's saying thanks. What's going on? 
in China that a lot of people who uh, deposit their money mm-hmm. entrusted their hard-earned money in a community. So now she's talking about basically what was what's happening now that people in China were 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 don't putting their money in their banks and community you know community banks and their hard-earned money. That's what she's talking about right now. This is present day. The banks. Mm-hmm. And then since April, they were told. No money to withdraw. You can't withdraw money. Okay. During the COVID, um, the uh, government, during the COVID, the government required that everyone ha- um, get a COVID passport. And uh, there's a green code, meaning uh, when, when your code is green, you are negative. Mm-hmm. When your code is red. Well, that's one of the things they didn't want. They had too many people. So that was another way to stop creating ge- more generations. You're positive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So since April, people were not able to withdraw money from the bank. Mm. Those people who went to the bank and demand that they want to withdraw their money, their code turned red. Wow. <coughs> so basically, <coughs> That locked them in to that they couldn't even get to the bank to take their money out because they were code. It was a code red. They could not even leave their home if your code is red. So now, with the uh, technology. Yeah, this was actually pre-recorded. Um, she calls in on the phone, um, and we do it during the day. And then what I do is once I I play it, I basically stop it and kind of explain what she's saying and things like that. They cannot just control you. They control your movement. Right. They can disable your code and you are stuck. If you, call, uh, if you leave your home, you will be arrested. Right. <coughs> that's China. And that's where, 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 that's where we want to go. And I just want to wake people up. Right. See what people do in China with uh, uh, COVID passport. Mm-hmm. They can do the same here. They absolutely can do the same here. Yeah, and I, I, I normally say one of the reasons why communism uh, failed was be- because they couldn't reach out and touch everybody, right? They couldn't reach out and control everybody. But with technology, they, they, they literally can control everybody. And now that they can, if we let them, they will. They will. They are doing it. They right. are absolutely doing it. So if, you are in, uh, if you, they identify you as a dissident, all they do is turn your uh, uh, COVID uh, app red. You are not allowed to go anywhere, not even grocery store. That's what they're doing. So the control is not loosened. The control is worse than ever before. Thank God they stole all the technology from the U.S. And they are doing it with evil. Right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And 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 from there, after you know, n- the next step is what they did during the Cultural Revolution and how they turned people against people, and 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 um, to just enforce it, to try to enforce it even more. And we're reaching that point. We are. So I always want to remind people: when you listen to all this history, um, just don't think it's something happened long ago in a foreign land. All this. Either is happening here or could happen here. Right. 
And and a good thing too, and I want people to understand is the reason I'm doing this in a three step thing is none of this happened overnight. It, it was something that happened over years. So it's a and it was a slow moving process that it, you could almost see that happening now, right? They don't want it to happen too quick because if it happens too quick, people will kick back, right? But it's a, it's a slow moving process, and if we don't stop it, if we don't see it coming, it will happen here. It will. Yes. 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 So I, and that, that's the whole purpose of what doing this podcast is to educate people. Right. And, and so I, I, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you've already done, you know, your, the other interviews today, so I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I do appreciate you coming on and talking about this. Um, and the next one, you know, we'll take a little break on this one. And then the next one will be the cultural revolution. And some of that, you were actually, you were there to witness a lot yeah. of that. That I witnessed and experienced right everything of yeah so that one i'm very excited to talk with you about because I, I, I people need to hear that because that is being played out every day <laughs> that i turn on yeah. the news i literally see a lot of that happening um as we speak today i mean it's yeah. it's yeah. from the schooling yeah. to the separations to the you know Youngsters coming out, you know, younger, young adults and stuff coming out and going against authority. It, it is literally being pushed today, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. This is, uh, um, the, uh, this episode and the last one was more to educate people the evil of communism and some of the things that, that led to the Cultural Revolution. But the Cultural Revolution is what's happening today. Right. It is a Cultural Revolution. Wokeness is a cultural revolution, and what we're fighting is a culture war. Right. And, and, and it's being done because we don't have the history and the context of the podcast we're yeah. doing here. And that's why we, yeah. did the, we started with the land reform. Uh, we moved into the 100-year you know, flower campaign, and we moved into the famine. And, you know, when, when it comes to and, – and we're even moving you – know, today we're even talking about having food shortages and stuff. And from there yeah. comes control, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and so it, the next, it's, it's an extremely, you know, easy to see, unfortunately, but scary event that we could be leading into. So I yeah. want to thank you again for coming on. Is there anything you want to say uh, just before we head off? I think we covered a lot. We did. Thank you so much. No, no. Thank you so much. Like I said, and, and for so that was basically the end of the interview. Um, a, a lot of the stuff that basically and the reason she did this when I first got her on, I wanted her to talk about kind of like what was going on today in the cultural revolution. And she made a big effort to basically say, look, I, I really want to talk about um, the backstory here, like the context and, and bring it all forward. So you guys can, you know, you can see how it started, how long it took um, the steps that got it there and to, to the culture revolution, which she lived through. Um, you know, so a lot of the stuff that she, you know, she's telling is what, you know, her parents told her, um, and, you know, growing up and things like that. Like I said, she was, um, lucky she was able to get into that school slash orphanage, um, because it was something where she was guaranteed food and being able to eat, uh, why her parents were obviously, you know, working and things like that. And a lot, and, and people resorted to cannibalism and whatever they needed just to keep eating. And, this was what how Mao thought he could control people um, and how he could be that that dominant country. Now, the Cultural Revolution is something that 
again, is is a big deal because that's kind of where they broke things down um, and and truly started putting people against people. Um, uh, Ten thousand. Uh, let's see. Jackie Nick, thank you so much. Wonderful info. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for the ten dollar super chat. I really appreciate it. Um, but this is kind of you, you can go back to part one. I'm going to make sure I'll link part one to this, and then this is part two. Part three is going to be extremely detailed um, because, like I said, she was there. She lived a you know a portion of that. Her life was during that, um, and that's a lot of stuff that you see it now. You it, uh, we're going to talk about the Red Guard. We're going to talk about how kids were you know turned to basically go against teachers and go against their adults and and you know doing that type of stuff. And we're seeing that now. You're seeing videos now. I'm seeing more more videos pop up on my Twitter feed and things like that of what you know what seem you know younger younger kids basically you know maybe eighteen nineteen that area going in and smashing things, going in and you know restaurants and smashing stuff and doing all that and that type of stuff in regards to you know the breakdowns for the CRT uh, dividing us in regards to not knowing you know everything from gender aspects to uh, racial aspects to all of this other stuff is a, a way of, you know, you mass confuse people, you mass break down their mental states. And then from there, you almost, with a lack of food and, and things like that, it's very easy to take control when people are hungry, right? When, when people are hungry, it's easy to come in and say, Hey, I have food, do this. And and I and I've had this discussion before, right? Um, eventually, some of the stuff I want to get on is one of my guys I want to get on and talk to in a debate is he wants to completely shut down as a truck driver, and, and all truck drivers should shut down, and they should absolutely stop delivering food, um, and and just let everybody see what it's like to not get food for a week or two weeks, and and all the truck drivers do it, and. I've I've had conversations with him stating that that would cripple us. One that would cripple us to other countries. It would weaken us to other countries. Other countries would easily be able to take advantage of that situation. Um, people would starve. People would die. And if you stop it for seven days, it could take three months to get it back up and running again for people to get there. And I know it's a, it's something that people said, well, we just got to do it. But the issue is, is you're not just teaching our government a lesson you're weakening our whole country so that other countries can come in and then take control uh, the soviet union was broken up at one point you start to stop the food chain you start to stop logistics you shut this all down and that's i, I if i was another country and i wanted to take this country over boom that's when i'm coming in so I've even had discussions with him as former, you know, Coast Guard and stuff. If they with a CDL, if they reactivated me and said go drive that truck, I'd go drive that truck. I would take his truck, and if it meant keeping food going and keeping supplies going, it's a it's a really difficult decision. Do is that truck taken by force to make sure that the food gets delivered and the medicines get delivered? And that happens. Would I take it by force? I probably would. I probably, if I had to, to keep this country's foods and supplies and things moving, it, 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 like I said, it's a difficult decision as a truck driver. But if that's what it came down to, and I've asked other people, you know, would you drive? Oh, I wouldn't drive. Well, okay. 
what if they told you you had to drive by gunpoint? Well, then they, they can just go ahead and handle it. Okay. What if they shut off your kids' bank accounts? You know, because he has kids in college. What if they, and you know, did that? We're at that extreme. Because remember, shutting down logistics and not delivering food for a week or whatever. In a, in a, and let's just worst case scenario. This I know this is not the show for that. I should probably leave this to Will's show, um, and because that's the show that he's doing. But it would not be good. And maybe that's a show I'll come on and break down exactly what would happen uh, for that show. Because that's definitely a show we should probably talk about um, on Will's show that he's doing his best. If you, Bob, would you drop his link for his show? Um, Will's going to be doing a show, I believe, on Sundays. And I think it's a great show. I'm going to talk about this. Where I'm doing like the kind of the prepper show and preparing, what he's going to kind of do is worst case scenarios. He talks a lot about um, like the plane stuff. And I watched it like, um, well, I watch it in the morning, but he did one last night and he wants to do a show in, that I think is a, a great topic, a great show. So if you're not subscribed to, to, to Will, you're going to want to because what he's going to do is he's going to pick complete, you know, problems and breakdowns of this and doomsday scenario and kind of talk about that and go over that everything from he said like tsunamis to you know uh nuclear power plants you know chernobyl type things um all these events so i do want to drop that because i think that's a great topic um because like i said me and him you know go back and forth on stuff so that's one that if you're not subscribed to his channel which a lot of you guys are you're going to want to check that one out um and i'll have the mods drop a link in there so that that gets done too but this is kind of the stuff that we're seeing a lot of today and, and food shortages can do a lot of things to a lot of people. And if people, when it, when not eating is a possibility, it changes people. I mean, watching your kids possibly not eat and stuff like that is an extremely dangerous situation for some of these people. And this is happening in other countries right now. Other countries are protesting. Other countries are having these issues, high prices in food, and this and this, and we haven't even reached the point that we could possibly, they haven't even reached the point that they could possibly reach. So it, it, it could be, you know, although that might not come here to that extreme, it's still a possibility that somebody going without, you don't know what without is to them. You know, at some point, you know, without is different to me than going without is different to Shar. You know, what we consider not able to get is, is two different things. And as people start to not get those things, it could be bad. But this, and it's, and what I wanted to do with this show too, and I'll get back to the show is that this didn't happen that long ago. You know, this didn't happen in some small, you know, this happened in China in 1950s and 60s and, and, and the Cultural Revolution, um, I believe up until the 80s, you know, that stuff was going on. And somebody that actually lived through the Cultural Revolution is going to be on my show talking about it. So it, it's not that long ago. And that's, that's the situation that we could be in. So I want to thank everybody for swinging in, like I said, and um, with me for the interview. Um, she likes going out on the phone and just kind of, you know, um, talking that way, which if that's what she wants to do, then that's I'm cool with that. And then I can basically do this, kind of do a reaction video to it and play it and and stop it and things like that. Um, the last episode is, like I said, the one that I'm I'm really excited about doing because she was there. 
Um, it's what we're a lot of what we're seeing today in regards in regards to how they separated people, how they divided people, how they caused the you know different types of um, chaos and with within um, their society to basically break people, uh, hoping that that would do it, and that that was their last chance of basically saying we can control them, we can control them, and until technology comes in, then there is true control. So. I want to thank everybody for swinging in um, and all the mods and everything for uh, <laughs> swinging back over. Uh, but yeah, definitely check out Will's channel. If you haven't, um, like I said, he's going to be doing a show. I believe he's going to be on Sundays. That's cool. His other shows are great too. Um, but if, you know, a lot of times the doom day thing draws people in, uh, he's hot, you know, really good at it. And I enjoyed the show that he did yesterday in regards to the, the aircraft stuff too. So um, I appreciate it. And uh I'm going to go ahead and jump out now, so I'm just going to hit some out music. You guys want to hear some music? Let's do it. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. I'm a savage. I'm a savage. Drop the classic. Drop the classic. Thinking back. Drop the classic. Drop the classic. Too established. Too established. That's the magic. As always, Got a magic. stay safe. Stay out. Living legend. Leave the weapon. That's the mind. Never tired. Tell them all. Tell them all. Big dreams, I got big dreams since like baby. I've been joining forces with the likes of an A-team. Jumping off of buildings used to be so stimulating. Now I'm reaching new heights. I'm gonna need show is Fridays. Char says it's gonna be on Fridays for that show. Make sure you check that one out on Will Channel. Drop his Twitch channel too. Drop his Twitch channel too. Cause one day we gon' make it out this earth. Where's your worth? I'm sick of your talking, you got the wrong one. I'm taking your king and I leave him broken. If I am in second, it's after no one. Just give me a second to let them know I'm the headline, the deadline I'm a head time, the rare kind I'm a living legend, lethal weapon Master, fire the king is back like prodigal I, I gave him time, it's been too long We're silent calm, but now the storm is right on I'm not the one you can't ignore I never plot a chick, if I want it, I'ma get mine Never fake the fall, can't perform for your empire Snatch him out the throne, make them all fall in line I let the clock tick, count down, cause I'm I'm sick of your talking, you got the wrong one I'm taking your king and I leave him broken If I am in second, it's after no one Just give me a second to let him know I'm the headline, the deadline I'm a head time, the rare kind I'm a living legend, lethal weapon Master, why not? Big time Out of the ashes, 